right, and we are live. Joseph, thanks for joining me today, man. Hey, great to see you. Uh, great to see you're back from your little trip you took. Uh, maybe we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, I'm excited to talk about these seven principles and to get back into another discussion. Thank you. Absolutely. Yes, sir. So today, guys, we're going to talk about the seven hermetic principles as outlined in the Kabbalion, uh, the history of which is interesting. And you can look that up on your own. There's plenty of videos on YouTube breaking that down. But what I want to focus on today specifically is the principles themselves and how they can be integrated into your life and used to make your life better and to hopefully bring you to a little bit of higher consciousness and also not fooling yourself by reading them and thinking that you can achieve heightened states of being that is not possible for humanity. And I'm sure that we will absolutely get into that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think before we even get into the principles, I want to talk about the authorship of this because it's originally written as three initiates. But when you do a little bit of a deeper dive or get a, a relatively recent book, you'll see that it's actually written uh, by William Walker Atkinson. And it's written as the three initiates by him. And he is a figure of the um, new thought movement. So he got the, that, 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 that law of attraction, that mentalism, that ability to change feelings and, and transmute um, your different emotions onto other people. Um, he, he got all of that started, and that started again in the 19th and 20th century. And um, yeah, the other thing about this book is a lot of people talk about its connection to hermeticism, and there's a lot of connections, but then there's also some that aren't so related to the hermetics um, way back into the Egyptian times. So I, I think everyone should take this just as any other religious book with a grain of salt. Um, but then you'll see as we continue to talk about these seven principles, there's a lot of truth in there. There's a lot of beauty in there. So. Um, I do want to point that out so no one thinks this is some mystical, amazing text that we're getting into. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And on that note, we can start diving into them. Uh, and you'll see that as we discuss these principles, they'll stack on top of each other as well. So by the time we get to the end of the seventh one, you'll kind of see that it's not each individual principle acting on its own. It's each individual principle making up this sort of psychotechnology, this lens to view the world and to view your own consciousness with. Um, so cool. We'll hop into it and we'll just start with principle one, the principle of mentalism. So straight from the book, it is the all is mind, the universe is mental, the all, which is the substantial reality underlying all the outward manifestations and appearances, which we know under the terms of the material universe, the phenomena of life, matter, energy, and in short, all that is apparent to our material senses is spirit which in itself is unknowable and undefinable, but which may be considered and thought of as a universal, infinite living mind. An understanding of this great hermetic principle of mentalism enables the individual to readily grasp the law of the mental universe and apply them to their own well-being and advancement. The principle explains the true nature of energy, power, and matter, and why and how all these are subordinate to the mastery of mind. For he who grasps the truth of the mental nature of the universe is well advanced on the path to mastery. And that is principle one. What are your thoughts, Joseph? How do you feel about yeah, this? Yeah, uh, I didn't know if I didn't know how we're going to do this. If it was going to be a back and forth, um, <laughs> I thought you were going to add some points. But let me let me just talk about this because what's so beautiful about this is this this idea of the all. The all is mine, but what is the all? Uh, that's where I think it's really important to start looking into this this axiom. I guess we can call it. 
because the all, although it's all of us and all the plants and all the organisms, the all in general is the idea of the one back into Greek philosophy. <clears throat> if you're if you're familiar with the idea of the one, the one is all, the all is one. Another axiom in this space that is brought up is all is in the all. Again, the all is the one. So all of us are in the all. And then the all, which again is the one, is in all, is in all of us. And that's a really beautiful way to say it. And I think this is the truth about this principle, because then you see everything in life, everything around you, how it's connected, how it all has its interrelations to this sort of source that we're all from. And then you see beauty in the blade of grass, in the tree, in the bird, in the noises in nature, in your life, in your mental states, right? Um, it, 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 I think that's the best way to see this principle. Now, this principle can be convoluted in other directions where you can say, if everything's mental, then all I have to do is master my mind and I can master the world. Um, it could be a, a little bit too much of the law of attraction there, but I think what's really important for anyone that, that's looking at this as a way in to the mysteries, quote unquote, or the spiritual nature um, or more psychological nature of things then you could see that idea of uh, the all being this this one that we're all a part of um, and how that all, though they say it's mental, it's also spiritual in a sense. What about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I think that this to me reminds me a lot of the Buddhist idea of the interconnectedness of everything. So I love that you brought up that you think that if you fall down the rabbit hole of this, you can start thinking that you are perfectly creating reality purely out of your own imagination. And I don't see it as that. What I see the all as being, what I see sources being, spirit, the infinite living mind, is that we are one with everything around us. And on a more metaphysical sense, I think that we're consciousness itself experiencing reality on this plane of existence. So when you look at the all, it's your direct connection to consciousness itself experiencing this, but all of this is also part of that imagination, part of that mind. So while you can filter out and create reality through your perception, it doesn't negate the fact that everything around you is also intimately interconnected with yourself and with consciousness and with whatever divine being is above us. Hmm. Yeah, I really love that. And um, I like that you brought the, the Buddhist principle. Um, it, it, that's what we're going to see about this text as we go into these principles is how many different religions it, it picks up on. And that's the beauty of it, because if someone's just narrowly focused, like if they're out in the dark with a, fl a flashlight, they're only going to see just a, a narrow focus of Buddhism or Christianity. But when you start opening up these principles to see how everything's sort of related, just as this principle talks about everything being related, um, it, it, this is the beauty of, of why we're talking about the Kabbalion and the seven principles. Um, it, it, I love that you brought that up, and, and I have to just say it again. You know, a lot of people think that this principle will mean that they can change things around them and they can move objects. And um, I'm not going to get into any of that because uh, maybe I'm uh, too ignorant to talk about that. Um, but what I believe is, is, is the most important thing to realize is if all is in all and the all is in all, which means it's in us, then there's a bit of a responsibility to maybe instead of living your life as some ego out hoping to grasp what you can grasp, 
to, to pay attention to maybe that space, see what it has to say in a sense, see where it's leading. And also realize that everyone around you is in this same space. So everyone's going through the same kind of eternal forces of life. And that's what brings us all together into a community. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. And I think that if you look at more of the Jungian concept of the collective unconscious, I think that that's what Jung was also talking about at that point was that we are all connected with each other as well as all other religions that have concepts similar to that. And I think that if you take the all and you really extrapolate on it and give it a lot of thought that it's going to allow you to create empathy for the world around you because you're not going to look at it as this very reductionist, narcissistic, Hegelian mindset where you think that everything that is constructed in reality is purely out of your own thoughts. So it, the grammar itself creates a narcissism that our ego operates out of. And when you expand beyond that, whether it's through the all, reading the Kabbalion, looking into Buddhism, whatever the case is, looking at agape and Christianity, this idea of unconditional love for those around you. It's like, that's when you can really open up that, that depth of empathy within yourself and feel for those around you, feel the pain, the joy, the love of those around you, the whole human experience. Um, and also to not be as judgmental because I feel like that's where a lot of our society lies in right now is that we all are so concerned with our own aspirations and goals and our own joy and dopamine rush and hedonistic tendencies, a lot of which is social engineered. Um, but it's like when you can break past that, I think that that's when we'll start seeing a rise in community and love around the world again. Um, and that was just kind of an aside, a little tangent that brought up as you were talking, but yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think there's something else in this that it just hit me was the idea of intelligence. And I think this is what this principle is also pointing on because there's no other principles that talk about really intelligence. There's intelligence within the principles, but intelligence itself, you look mm -hmm. around this world, there's no way it's not intelligent. Everything's mm -hmm. in such precise order. There's laws, there's all these different things that keep everything firmly together. And when you realize that, then you say, my goodness, there's an intelligence out there. But what's so beautiful about that intelligence is you can't know it. You can't even speak about it. You and I speaking about it, we're using shadows right now. This is shadow yes. work in a sense, not shadow work in Jungian terms, but we're talking, we're talking about trying to describe something that cannot be described. So you have to understand the terms we're using right now is the best way that we could point to something else. But you could see how a lot of people get maybe the one that's in them, the all, as they call it in the Kabbalion, has some idea that comes through, then it turns into a religion. And now instead of what there were the essence that it was coming that was trying to come through now the image is is worshiped and and people get stuck on the image and they get a little bit sidetracked from from that truth that you were just speaking on where people should be looking mm -hmm. absolutely and that'll bring us into principle two which i think is going to pick up on this of how to look at that intel intelligence and see the intelligence beyond uh pure humanity itself 
So principle two is the principle of correspondence. And this is as above, so below, as below, so above. There's always a correspondence between the laws and phenomena of the various planes of being in life. There are planes beyond our knowing, but when we apply the principle of correspondence to them, we are able to understand much that would otherwise be unknowable to us. The principle is of universal application and manifestation on the various planes of material, mental, and spiritual universe. It is a universal law. The principle of correspondence is viewed as one of the most important mental instruments by which man was able to pry open and peer into the unknown. Just as the principle of geometry enables man to measure distant suns and their movements, so a knowledge of the principle of correspondence enables man to reason intelligently from the known to the unknown. So I want to start with the word analogy, and this is so important mm -hmm. with anything psychological. You think about trying to describe your feelings or describe a moment. You use an analogy. It was like this. It was like that. You look at the ancient Greeks. They spoke in analogies as the way they spoke. There is something very powerful about analogies and this correspondence, and it's not only in the realm of the psyche trying to describe something like we were just using an analogies to try to describe the unknowable, but also the idea of these planes interacting with each other. And what's so beautiful about the planes is, at least in the Kabbalah and the way they describe it, is there's no set plane, like this is one level and then there's another level. They kind of fizzle and phase into each other. So the body phases into the soul, which phases into the spirit, and they're all sort of a one. Um, that's the beauty of this principle is seeing that um, there's a lot of different factions to life and a lot of different reasons why things may be occurring. You know, there, there could be two planes that are interacting with each other. It could be um, also subplanes. I think they talk about in this, like even finer portions of these planes. So you look at um, the material plane, there's plants, there's animals, there's humans. You look at the mental plane, there's a mind in the plant, there's a mind in the animal, there's a mind in the human. Um, and it's sort of this principle of seeing how everything's related and uh, corresponds with each other. But I think everyone should really highlight that word analogy, which I start with, because that's the beauty of this principle and why it's been related all the way back to Hermes um, emerald tablets, I believe. Yeah, and you can see this principle coming to fruition in our life as it is right now, because you can take, say, a small town and you can look at the way that humanity fractions itself out and creates hierarchies of power and then look at the way that we're being governed and it's like that is the principle of correspondence you can look at a local example and extrapolate that out and say okay i know that humanity and human nature tends to direct us towards these decisions and events and actions now if i look at the top-down structure that is above us and apply the same thoughts and ideas more often than not i find that it correlates with each other very well and that's like a a localized example of the principle at work um, and something I also really wanted to hit in, and this is something that is not necessarily related to the Kabbalion, but it talks about the various planes of being in life. And being is a word that I've really started to think about more recently. Um, do you, are you familiar with Lex Friedman? Yes, yes. A physicist? Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, AI engineer. Um, mm -hmm. But he had a interview with Kanye West maybe like a month or two ago um and whatever 
Ye has said some super racist things lately, but I don't really give a fuck because what I want to focus on is during that conversation, he brought up that we are beings with engineering capabilities. And for some reason, this phrase really fucking stuck with me for like weeks. It just kept popping into my mind. I was like, why is this, why is this phrase so relevant? And I had never heard it before, but it made a lot of sense to me. But when I kind of started to break it down a little more, I really kind of focused on the being aspect of that. And I was like, what does it mean? Like, what does being mean? What does it mean to be? Uh, and kind of what I was coming to the conclusion of is I could break down this phrase, beings with engineering capabilities, into being, to be. What does it mean to be? To me, being, to be in this plane of existence is to experience in reality as a uh, divine manifestation of consciousness itself. So that is be and then in, so in contact with reality. And then engineering is the ability to create. So what my mind sort of breaking it down to was we are divine manifestations of consciousness in contact with reality with the ability to create. Um, and it's not necessarily applicable, like it's not necessarily relevant to what we're talking about right now, but that being that word has really been sticking with me lately and really been having a lot of influence on my thought. Like, what does that really mean? Um, and I haven't shared that with anyone yet. So mm. that was also kind of me breaking it down to see if that is a, a logical breakdown of, of this phrase. I think it is, but that, that idea of being, I think is, um, I, to me, that's the unknowable, and that's where everyone mm -hmm. that, that's in this work is trying to reach the, mm -hmm. the level of being, because where we live right now is becoming, mm -hmm. but we have a sense of being in us. Again, the all mm -hmm. is in all. So it's, it's, it's a divine paradox. And yeah. it's, I think it's the beauty that the individual takes their journey and, and, and realizes on their own. You and I can talk, but it's never going to hit. The people mm -hmm. have to go. Um, yeah, but, but when you're speaking of, of being in engineering, uh, being so like what, so he was saying like, we are beings with engineering capabilities. Yeah. And when I was breaking it down, I was like, I kind of separated the two and like focused on the word being, and then focused on engineering. And that's kind of where mm -hmm. I think that my mind was fascinated with it because, I thought that what he was hinting at, he was trying to create a very logical, rational explanation for human existence or what it means to be human by saying like, we are beings with engineering capabilities. But I thought that there was so much divinity in those words themselves that it just seemed to me that trying to break that down to like this logical, rational reductionist mindset is completely ignoring the human experience itself, which as you were saying, is like, it's, it's the unknowable. It's the ineffable. Like you can't describe this stuff because we don't have the cognitive capability to even begin to conceive of it. But I was like, that's also part of the human endeavor is to try to continuously work our way up um, and try to figure out these deeper truths of reality and these deeper truths of being 
And I think that's where my mind was kind of going with it. Yeah, if yeah, that yeah. Then I hit it. Then I then I understood what you're saying. But um, mm -hmm. I think it's really beautiful because when I was looking back at this Kabbali and I, I was looking at it last night real quickly, and it was funny to see how many different things I've so, I see now, like through my journey, how much I've picked up, and and you can just see through principles before that used to boggle my mind. It's just it's very interesting, and I'm sure you've you've had that journey. Um, uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's but why I quick. find this. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's why I find the Kabbalion so fascinating is because of how applicable it is in your day-to-day -day life. Like you can look at these principles and then look at everything going on in your life. And as you were saying earlier, how, how closely relatable they are to different aspects of different religions around the world. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. Like you can mm. see these principles acting out in your day-to-day -day life constantly. That's why... Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, what I want to say with, with correspondence, not only can you use that a principle as above, so below to learn about yourself and what's going on in, in, the, in the inner world and understand its movements, because you can't see it, you have to use analogy. But also, you know, like inventors or people that are trying to figure things out that they can't even, uh, they don't have the answer to that correspondence really helps. And then the last thing is the alchemist. If you look at their texts, they say words uh, the, the the black tail, the black dog, the the this. There's all these different words, but they mean something else. Um, so so the practice of analogy is really heavy in alchemy, and that's why it's so difficult to understand what the alchemists were talking about because they were speaking analytically mm -hmm. or analogically. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 a word, but symbolically. Um, yeah, symbolically. I would use symbolically. I think that would be a good phrase there, a good term there. Yeah. Um, and another aspect of the correspondence is something that we're both familiar with is doing dream work. If your dreams mm -hmm. are in turmoil, there's probably a high likelihood that your life is probably also in turmoil or something in your psyche is in turmoil. Um, and I think that's another day-to-day -day application of the principle of correspondence is looking at the depths of your psyche or looking at uh, what you're coming into contact with in your dreams or in your shadow work whatever the case is and applying that to your waking consciousness and i think that that's just another day-to-day -day example of how the principle of of correspondence interacts with us i love that yeah even Hell projections yeah. all of it that's really good mm -hmm. yeah it's everywhere yeah, absolutely yeah it's everywhere um cool we'll move on to the next one principle three which is the principle of vibration Nothing rests, everything moves, everything vibrates. This principle explains that the differences between different manifestations of matter, energy, mind, and even spirit result largely from varying rates of vibration. From the all, which is pure spirit, down to the grossest form of matter, all is in vibration. The higher the vibration, the higher the position in the scale. The vibration of spirit is at such an infinite rate of intensity and rapidity that is practically at rest, just as rapidly moving will seems to be motionless. At the other end of the scale, there are gross forms of matter whose vibrations are so low as to seem at rest. Between these poles, there are millions upon millions of varying degrees of vibration. From corpuscle and electrons, atom and molecule, to worlds and universes, everything is in vibratory motion. This is also true of the planes of energy and force, and also the mental planes and even the spiritual planes. Understanding this principle with the appropriate formulas enables one to control their own mental vibrations as well as those of others. He who understands the principle of vibration has grasped the scepter of power. This principle is uh, one that's been very popular lately. 
and um, a lot of people talking about vibrations and energy and negative and positive and all this stuff. But uh, I think the the most beautiful part of it was that idea of of the two different ends and seeing this one continuum of of energy. How there's one end that's at rest because it's more matter and it's gross and it's so slow that it's almost it's almost still it's it's at rest and then the other end of the spectrum the highest end you could say where it's vibrating so fast that it looks like it's at rest if you ever look at a wheel moving uh, anything moving really quickly it looks like it's at rest um there was a beautiful example in the kabbalion that was given and i don't i forget the object but they start shaking an object and then they start hearing different sounds and it goes through all the musical notes and then after it reaches that highest point, you can't even hear it anymore. It's silent because it's vibrating so fast. But then you start seeing the color spectrum come out. And then the colors start coming out, all the different colors from red all the way down to violet. And then you can't see it anymore. And then it's it's the X-rays and gamma rays. And it gets all the way up to the point where it's supposed to be the highest point of vibration, the highest point. That would be the ascension that everyone's hoping for, which in Kabbalian terms, which is is being one with the with the all or one with the one. You're vibrating at the same level as, as the highest principle. So um, I thought that was a beautiful way to see how vibrations not only here um, in our minds and in energies and in emotions, but also just in our senses. We could see the vibrations from just music, from, from um, different um, sounds, and of course, from sight different colors so um vibrations are everywhere this principle though you have to watch out because this is where a lot of that law of attraction a lot of this uh, maybe egotistical power uh, may get to your head with this principle but there is no doubt that every single this everything in this universe is moving and everything has an energy component to it you start down uh, you go down to the atom and you see the atoms moving, you go into the quarks, the quarks are moving, and quantum physics is really where things are starting to go, which applies directly to this principle. So there's a huge positive, and then there's some negatives. Yes. And as we get into the next few principles, you'll see how crucial vibrations can be to your every day-to-day -day life and your every day-to-day -day mental well-being. When we talk about vibe like that's how you were saying it's really popular in today it's like oh, i like your vibe oh, i like your energy like it's very real i mean you're you're physically vibrating on a certain frequency and you can raise and lower that to a certain extent depending on what you're doing up here not necessarily what your body is specifically doing but what you're doing with your mind to elevate those vibrations uh, a practice i would recommend for people that is really fascinating to me and i really enjoy doing this and i feel like you can really feel this principle coming into effect is if you sit down and you meditate and you think about every single cell within your body vibrating and then you elevate that vibration and then you elevate it to the point where you think that the sun would vibrate. So every single cell within your body, you are trying to vibrate it at the frequency of the sun to the point that you are just a shining beacon of light yourself. Close your eyes and just imagine this. And whenever I do this, I always feel a shift within my consciousness and a shift in my mood and everything becomes elevated. Everything feels better. I mentally and physically feel better. Um, and that is, I think, the principle of vibration coming into effect in that specific moment because you are literally 
affecting the vibration of your own body as you're doing that. Now, you're not about to actually vibrate at the level of the sun. Like, clearly, that's not about what's going to happen. But I was like, you can get those micro shifts in your vibration and elevate that to a point where you are physically and mentally feeling the effects of that. Yeah. And in that example I was giving, so if anyone was thinking about like, oh, I could vibrate myself to that state. Well, I just want to warn you what, what happens to that object is at a point it, it vanishes. Like we can't see x-rays or gamma rays. So if you, you know, if, if you're going that route, you have to realize you're not going to be here much longer because that's a disintegration. Um, the, 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 the space here in creation is a, a lower vibration um, than mm. say the material that connects us all and, and, and that we all swim in. So it's really important um, to, to realize that and also realize that these vibrations give you so much of a hint on not only yourself, but the environment around you. I'll walk into a room and you could feel the vibration if you're really in tune with your own vibrations. So you work with yourself, then you get the little sensitivities around you. Um, that's the beauty of it. Um, and like you said, you can change your states. That's what meditation is. And that's what it's tapping mm -hmm. into. Um, but what I'll, what I like to say is sometimes let's say a vibration of hates coming through or some kind mm -hmm. of fear, but you don't want to feel it. So you're trying to vibrate the other way. You may relieve it in the moment, but that fear that, that, that anger is still in you, whatever it is. Um, sometimes you want to be more of a, uh, antenna for vibrations and, and see yourself as something that can use those vibrations as some uh, more insights into your own reality so you can achieve higher levels of, of gnosis so to say mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes to use this principle as a means of escaping your own realities or escaping the shadow that lies within your consciousness is not beneficial whatsoever like you need to understand this principle but also understand that there are aspects of your psyche that will bring your vibration down but need to be interacted with integrated acknowledged whatever the case is in order for you to actually achieve a baseline that you can vibrate on on a day-to-day -day basis and if you're continuously shoving down the negative vibrations trying to pursue that higher vibration i think that that is more of a hedonistic pursuit because you would rather lavish in positivity at the expense of never actually knowing your full self or even attempting to come to a better understanding of your true self mm -hmm. so yeah i think you're spot on with that like yeah don't be afraid of of those negative vibrations understand that you can shift yourself out but some of those things absolutely need to be addressed and dealt with and then also if you see other people that have negative vibes don't be afraid to listen to that if you see your friend and you're like man i feel like your vibes off today like there's it's it's not just a saying you know it's like there's very real truth to that so reach out to people say what's up it was like if you know someone and they're having bad vibes be like yo what's up man like let's fucking sit down and talk about this you know uh yeah. or if you're in a bad situation like i was like there those are those everyday examples of where these principles come into play if you walk into a room as you were saying and the vibe's bad you know it's like maybe you don't hang out maybe you leave or you talk to people and you try to be like hey what's going on like let's let's raise this yeah so because yeah, yeah. if you're not conscious of that and you walk into that room, you might be angry and you might unconsciously be angry because you're picking up on that vibe. But if you understand mm -hmm. it or just see one person and understand them, then there's such an empathy to it. So there's a there's a beauty to, to understanding all the vibes.
Yes. All vibes yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah, all vibes matter. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and I think that I will hit on this as uh, in the next few principles as well, but also understanding that people can play on your vibrations to shift your consciousness and shift your mood, shift your emotions. Mass media, perfect example of this. Propaganda, that's what it's doing. It's raising or lowering your vibe in relation to certain things to create these emotional states. Um, and as we talk about polarity and rhythm and cause and effect, uh, you'll see how this all comes into play with each other. But yeah, vibrations are very real and it's a, it's a positive and a negative thing. But understanding that they can be played on will allow you to have a better sense of how to navigate the waters and try to trust that gut instinct of if people are trying to manipulate you, which is a real gem of wisdom to have in today's age. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm glad you said that. That's beautiful. <laughs> nice. We'll move on to principle four now, which is the principle of polarity. Everything is dual. Everything has poles. Everything has its pairs of opposites. Like and unlike are the same. Opposites are identical in nature, but different in degrees. Extremes meet. All truths are but half-truths. All paradoxes may be reconciled. This principle explains that in everything, there are two poles or opposite aspects. The, aspects, the opposites are really only the two extremes of the same thing with many varying degrees. The art of polarization becomes a phase of mental alchemy known and practiced by the ancient and modern hermetic masters. An understanding of the principle will enable one to change his own polarity as well as that of others if he will devote the time and study necessary to master the art. Yeah, and we're starting to see some of the correlations you started off with that you said that we're going to see between these principles. And these two really are correlated between each other, the principle of polarity um, and the principle of vibration. I love the principle of polarity. It's probably one of my favorite principles, and it taught me so much. This is the one that teaches us about wholeness, but the way the Kabbalion brings it up gets a little bit one-sided. But I want to stick with the wholeness aspect because a lot of people pick and choose the poles. But if you can hold yourself in between the poles and grasp both poles, then you see their higher terms. You see the monads in a sense or, or the more intelligible of, of what, what the continuum that they're both on. Um, and that's the beauty of saying it. You think about vibration, you think of one big line that's vibrating, and both ends would be, say, hot and cold. They're not different. They're just varying in degrees, say degrees of vibration. Um, so using that principle of vibration to understand polarity really helps you to grasp um, what this means. And the other beautiful thing about polarity is you not only see the connections between everything, but you see how you can uh, resolve conflicts. So um, you, you go through and you see what word has an opposite, hot is cold, up and down. You look for the opposites and you really understand their interrelation and connection with each other. And not only that, but you could see how different two pairs of opposites may be related um, into maybe a quaternia. So um, this principle is, is very important and it's overlooked by a lot of people that are just looking towards oneness or in Buddhism that say, you know, polarity is, we're non-dualists. Uh, there's, there's an aspect of non-duality and duality in our world. And um, I'm wondering what your thoughts on polarity are. Yeah, I agree that there is undeniable duality in the world. I mean, you look at the principle of gender, which we'll get to in a little bit, but also just the concepts of masculine and feminine, uh, especially in like the Jungian sense. It's like there are always those 
two opposite poles of the same hole, as you were saying. I like to conceptualize a lot of things now. Instead of a linear line, I look at them as poles on a sphere, and you can float at all kinds of varying degrees and positions within that sphere. Um, love is a perfect example of that. It talks about in the book as well. It's like hate is not a separate emotion. Hate is love, just at the lower polarity. And if you look at that on the sphere, it's like you can just kind of float all kinds of varying degrees. It's like you might be down here where it's like have a strong dislike for someone or in the middle top where you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm utterly in love with this person. Or at the very bottom, you're like, fuck, I despise you. You're I literally hate your guts, um, which I don't <laughs> recommend. Hate is a emotion that is really not too beneficial um, <laughs> depending on the context. But. Uh, yeah, I think polarity is great. And I think, like you were saying, it gives you a better understanding of how to connect with people. I think that to bring up politics in America again, it's like you can look at the polarity in America and how that's being played on, like how they're taking these two sides that think that they're polar opposites of each other and forcing them against each other when in reality they're all part of the same spectrum and it takes slight shifts one way or the other and all of a sudden the left is the right and the right is the left and it's like it's just this continual fluctuation and to counteract that it's not to overcome one pole or the other it's as you're saying it's to reach out to both sides and bring those two poles back into the center back into wholeness because you need most of the time both aspects of a polarity to reach centrism or wholeness like there can't there's very little examples i would i can think of off the top of my head right now where it's like one polar side would just be the ultimate place to shift yourself into and stay there yeah yeah and i, I love that example of of the parties in america because they have actually shifted like i believe the democrats now are what the Republicans used to be in a sense, and or maybe I'm saying it wrong, but they, they've shifted. Whereas uh, you could see it really is all one. Um, mm -hmm. I love the example of a sphere. I've never heard that example. I've always done a line and then sometimes I'll make it a triangle once you can connect everything and you make the, mm -hmm. the triad out of it. But a sphere is beautiful because a sphere represents something that's eternal, something mm -hmm. that's whole, and you see the wholeness mm -hmm. in it. And then you could really visualize the different aspects of it a little bit of love a little bit of fear in one aspect mm -hmm. a lot more love a lot less fear um and then what's so beautiful is then backing yourself out to see the, how the whole thing is one big uh, one or not, not an organism or idea but one thing i'll call it we'll call it a thing mm -hmm. um that that's a great example it beats any example i've ever heard no, oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I have no doubt that someone out there has made that example before me, but <laughs> fuck you. I'm taking credit for it. What's up? <laughs> did that come through you or did you read that? Because that's really like... I honestly, I, I, in all seriousness, have probably seen that somewhere. I can't think of it off the top of my head, yeah. but that's all. That's something that for years now, I've tried to conceptualize that in that fashion um, mm. because I just always thought that putting it on a linear scale was doing a detriment to the varying shades of gray because what what really turned me on to this was people seeing the world in black and white and i was like mm. i don't think that there's no pure black and no pure white i was like the world is uh infinite amount of shades of gray 
And I think that's what really turned me on to looking at polarity and the concept of a sphere, because mm. on a linear line, it's harder to really get like all those shades of gray in there. But if you look at it as a sphere, it's like you can just see the 360 degree infinite amount of possibilities of varying levels within the polarity. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I can't think of who initially turned me on to that conceptualization of it. Um, but I'm going to take credit for it. So whoever <laughs> did do that, uh, holler at your boy, I'm taking credit. <laughs> now it's really good visualization. It's just helping me see the whole thing a little bit mm -hmm. better too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this really helped me when I was understanding the archetypal concepts, like of the highest divine aspects of it and then also the shadow aspects of it it's like i didn't think that you could be like you could be one degree below being the most divine manifestation of the masculine forms but on a linear line i felt like it was negating that one percent of shadow that was in you so like in a sphere i could see where i was kind of moving along the line and like up and down like which aspects i was really kind of taking on board and shifting into myself yeah yeah and it, it really encapsulates wholeness with a line it mm -hmm. doesn't because you put a point on the line and then you're stuck there and if you go in the middle it's not yeah. really encapsulating the whole so that may be a new way to see polarity folks <laughs> build a model on it <laughs> and then real quick beautiful. on this just for people's mm -hmm. visualization because this might actually really be helping people because um, i've connected to it do you see it as a as a split in the middle and and it, like how do you do you see it like love on top uh, hate on the bottom and that's the ball or is it so one? i like i don't put fixed points on it i think that like as you shift throughout the sphere like those those points of the topmost aspects or bottommost aspects of the polarity kind of shift as well because i don't think it's possible like i said i was like i don't think that there's real black and white in the world so i was like i don't think you can ever actually touch those polarities you can get super close to the top and that polarity might shift just slightly out of your reach to reach the highest level of it um so i kind of see them shifting like that but then it's not like a 50 percent cutoff i think that it's like kind of it, if i could conceptualize it i guess saying that as you get above or below you're getting into the more shadow and divine aspects of it but when i look at the sides i try to conceptualize it as just like varying shades so maybe you're three quarters off of the lower 30 percent of it but maybe there's some aspects of light in there that you're collecting even though you're closer to that lower pole and that's what's the majority of the aspects of that polarity that's affecting you if that makes sense no, it makes sense. Oh, I, I like it. I really do like it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great visual for people to see polarity and not only the ends, but the whole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree as well. Beautiful. Keep moving on. We'll get into principle five, the principle of rhythm. Everything flows out and in. Everything has its tides. All things rise and fall. The pendulum swing manifests in everything. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Rhythm compensates. 
There is always an action and a reaction, an advance and a retreat, a rising and a sinking. This is in the affairs of the universe, sense, worlds, men, animals, mind, energy, matter. This law is manifest in the creation and destruction of worlds, in the rise and fall of nations, in the life of all things, and finally in the mental states of man. Understanding of the principle. Oh, I skip forward. I apologize there, people. The mental states of the man, it is with this ladder that the hermeticists find the understanding of the principle most important. The master of hermetics polarizes himself at the point at which he desires to rest and then neutralizes the rhythm swing of the pendulum, which would tend to carry him to the other pole. All individuals who have attained any degree of self-mastery do this to a certain degree, more or less unconsciously, but the master does this consciously and by the use of their own will and part oh by the use of their own will and attains a degree of poise and mental firmness almost impossible of belief on the part of the masses who are swung backward and forward like a pendulum this principle has been closely studied and the methods of counteracting neutralizing and using them form an important part of mental alchemy i am sorry there folks uh i was doing a bad job when i was typing this up and i <laughs> i think i left out some words but yeah, so going into the principle of rhythm, like it was saying, everything has a flow, everything goes back and forth. And I think that we hit on a lot of examples already, especially talking about in mainstream America, the greatest example of which I think would be politics, seeing the ebb and flow between the two parties and the two dominating ideologies um, overarching the people of America. But yeah, I'll get your thoughts on it, Joseph. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that we could see yet again another connection to polarity now, how these there's a rhythm when you go one way, the other way is is kind of waiting. I don't know if you've noticed it in your life, but for myself, it's something that came on really strong. And it was this game I used to play back in the day when I was just starting my work where I would go high and then I would be great and everything would be fine. And then all of a sudden it'd be hell. And I'm like, why am I in hell? And then afterwards, it'd be heaven and hell and then heaven. And I was swinging and I was doing the swing and I couldn't believe it because I remember reading the Kabbalah and saying that, but I couldn't figure out, like, what am I doing wrong? Is there something I'm doing wrong? And then I realized this because you could take it one way and maybe you'll disagree with me. I don't like the idea of doing too much will to it because I feel like if there's a natural movement to it, there's a reason for it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there's so many times now where I, the, I feel the other side coming where I take it for what it is. So if I know that I'm going through a little bit of a dark phase, then I'll use that energy, that new energy that's different than before that I never had before to maybe learn something or go deeper into something or get into a topic that maybe I wasn't able to before or learn something new that I couldn't see like a shadow. Um, that's the beautiful thing I think of rhythm is once you gain a little bit of appreciation and a respect for the different rhythms of life, not only outside you, but within you, then you can uh, be a little bit of more how they quote unquote, say master, you could be a little bit more of a master of, of predicting what's about to come and be a little bit more prepared mentally. So you're not stunned. Um, but the rhythm's beautiful because it really is everywhere and everywhere you look, it's it, it, America right now, we're probably going through a, a decline after a beautiful incline and it's just part of life. And if you can accept it and, instead of trying to change it, um, you really appreciate life in a, in a new sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I see rhythm a lot in the emotional roller coaster that is life. Like you will have the highest highs, but those are followed by the lowest lows. 
Um, and you might have a golden period where you have years of a high, and then maybe it's only a month of a low, but that low is going to be super low. Uh, low. And I agree with you that you shouldn't shut that off. Where I use rhythm and the law of neutralization, which the law of neutralization is what they were talking about, where you can overcome and control this rhythm to stay on a certain aspects of the polarity. Where I use this is my day-to-day -day baseline. So if I'm having to go out and interact with people or do whatever the case is, and I am vibrating in a very low state, or I have a lot of emotional things going on in my life, where I just particularly don't feel like doing something, instead of succumbing to that lower polarity of dissatisfaction, hatred, whatever the case is, uh, disillusionment, I use this law to elevate my baseline to a point that I am not dragging those around me down while I'm interacting with them. Now, once I get home or once I get to a place of seclusion, I'm not worried about it. I'm going to see what's going on inside of myself, sit with it, look at my dreams, uh, try to figure out why I am feeling the way that I'm feeling. But that's how I use the, the principle of rhythm and the law of neutralization on a more day-to-day -day basis would be to maintain that baseline without it being overly false because you can definitely interact with people who are going through hard times. And I feel like you can get the real sense that they're not being forthcoming with their true emotions. So whenever I do this, my goal isn't to just be abundantly happy or abundantly joyful it is to just be to maintain neutrality uh in order to benefit those around me as well as myself hmm. and do you see neutrality as something almost like a buddhist term uh, as in you, you kind of overcome happiness and suffering where you're not going too high or too low hmm, that's interesting that's a fucking fascinating question i don't I don't think so because I don't think that you can escape human emotion. And I don't think that we're meant to. I think that we're on this plane of existence to experience human emotion. So when I think of neutrality, it's not necessarily that you're overcoming anger or sadness or happiness or joy. It's that you are just at a good balance of the two. Mm. So maybe you're not walking around with a bright smile on your face, but you're also not walking around scowling. You're not detached, though. Like, I feel like kind of that Buddhist aspect of that would be to detach yourself from the reality around you and from those human emotions. And it's not detaching it. It's just trying to find a healthy equilibrium to function at that time until you can solve what's bringing your vibrations down or go back into those higher states because it's going to happen. I mean, it's just a natural aspect of the human body that you're going to go through those because of different emotional states, different uh, endorphins rushing through your body, especially nowadays with technology, with dopamine. The dopamine rush that we get from technology has such a massive, massive effect on us physiologically. And you can literally get depressed from dopamine because mm. your body produces so much of it that you're gland in your brain shrinks and stops producing dopamine um so it's like that could bring you down into a state of depression and if you have to function on a day-to-day -day basis go to work go get groceries deal with the kids whatever 
Um, it's just bringing that up to where you're not letting that negativity affect you until you can kind of deal with that, but also acknowledging that it's there and not trying to escape it at all. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then real quick, the principle of vibration, you, you need to know it in, in order to understand the rhythms. And then of course, the the different poles of where you're bouncing back and forth is, is polarity. Um, so the, to interrelate the, the points. Yeah, the interconnectedness of them is really fascinating how they all stack on top of each other. All right, yeah. we'll move on to principle six. Now, this is my favorite principle, and this is the principle of cause and effect. Every cause has its effect. Every effect has its cause. Everything happens according to law. Chance is but a name for law not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing escapes the law. Everything happens according to law, that nothing ever merely happens. There is no such thing as chance that while there are various planes of cause and effect, the higher dominating the lower, still nothing ever entirely escapes the law. The masses of people are carried along, obedient to environment, the wills and desires of others stronger than themselves, hereditary suggestion, and other outward causes moving them about like pawns on the chessboard of life. The masters rising to the plane above dominate their moods, characters, qualities, and powers, as well as the environment surrounding them, and become movers instead of pawns. They help to play the game of life. Instead of being played and moved about by the wills and environment, the masters obey the causation of the higher planes but they help rule on their own there's a wealth of hermetic knowledge in this statement let one read who can mm. and as they say the lips of wisdom are closed except for the ears of, of understanding so you know you're going to hear what you understand in these in these discussions but causation uh, i'm interested to see what you're going to say on it I'll, I'll just quickly highlight a few points um, what I want to say is, of course, the no ch there's no chance. I think that's something that people should really reflect on and uh, realize that there's a lot more to even the minute things that happen in your life, and there may be a true connection to it. Um, and then also the idea of synchronicity, being someone that knows Jung, this plays right into the idea of synchronicity and understanding that uh, two points that aren't connected in matter can be connected in a, in a sense outside of space and time. And I think that's really beautiful to see on your journey, especially um, that, that this is going to bring you a lot of different insights. And this may help you along the way, especially if you're in a position of being stuck or lost or confused. Um, so causation is beautiful. The only thing is a lot of people try to figure out causation would cause this. And if you look at the Kabbalion, there's a beautiful example where it says that, that so many, like it gives an example of how so many things could have caused one thing to happen on so many different planes and levels that it's really hard to pinpoint exactly how something happened, but there is a cause to it. And I think understanding that um, is, is, is a beautiful way to see it and, and not get stuck in this chance or why me, poor me, this is all against me type of thing. Yeah, don't fall into a victim mindset. Nothing good is ever going to come out of a victim mindset. It just it's an unhealthy place to be. Um, I'll start off with your last point, one of your last points about not thinking that you are causing everything in your life. So when I look at cause and effect, you're looking at the cosmic timeline all culminating into specific points. So when you look at, say someone got murdered. And it's like, okay, well, you can look at the cause and effect of that and say, well, this person shouldn't have been in this specific area at this specific time of day. And 
that's cool, but I wouldn't necessarily put all the blame on that specific person, like make wise decisions. But it's like, there's so many other factors that go into that, like their murderer, for example, say if that person had a coffee at 730 in the morning, instead of 745, they might not have been at that specific location, that specific time to commit that act against someone else. So it's looking at the infinite amount of tiny microscopic decisions throughout life in the day that affect the world around you and have an effect on you. You can be cause and have effect on the world around you, but the same thing is true from the other perspective. Every single organism around you is having a cause and having an effect on you as well. So you can control the outcomes of your life to a certain degree, but there's always going to be those aspects that are beyond your control. And those aspects are the actions and decisions of others having an effect on the total timeline on a literal cosmic scale. Now, why this is my favorite one is because of that exactly, because you can look at interactions you have and really appreciate the level of improbability that would lead you to meeting specific people. But instead of looking at it as a game of statistics or chance, look at it as you were saying, as synchronistic, as symbolic. There's symbolism and synchronicity in almost every single interaction you have on a day-to-day basis because of those infinite amount of decisions people have to make to land them in those specific places to make those connections. A great example of this was on my journey. I would meet people in places far removed from civilization. I mean, like the closest thing that is man-made would be 30, 40 miles away from us. Mm. And you talk to people And it's like, oh, man, you're a beautiful soul. Like, I really enjoy connecting with you. Like, you guys are all super cool. Uh, And then you'll find out, oh, yeah, I almost didn't come to the spot. You know, I almost went a couple miles down the road because I saw a picture there and it looked really pretty. But such and such happened or so-and-so things told me about this. And I ended up in this spot. And then you look at your own life and you go, yeah, damn, I was having coffee this morning and I really thought about not driving over here. I thought about just hanging out for another day. And it's like all of those little decisions that you made throughout the day that they made throughout the day that the people that they were interacting with the day before made throughout the day, because if they hadn't made specific decisions, maybe the person you met wouldn't be there because they would have decided to stay and hang out with them another day. It's like all of that leads up to these specific interactions Um, And I think that's where you see synchronicity. That's where you see symbolism. So whenever you meet people or events happen, like just take a second to step back and look at the broad spectrum of things going on that led up to that point, not just specifically your own actions that led you to that point. And I think that it gives you a much deeper appreciation for the things that happen in your day-to-day life. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't even add anything else to it. That's 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 beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause and effect. Yeah. That's my favorite one for sure. And it's also just so fun to think about. It's so fascinating to think about. Like next time you meet someone new or you meet like a friend randomly or something like that, just be like, just ask them all the little decisions that they made throughout the day to lead them to that point. And I promise it's a fascinating thing to sit there mm. and think about. 
And then real quick about dreams, you know, uh, I should be talking about dreams. A lot of the dreams that are caused in you have a reason for them. They're not just random. A lot of people, oh, how do you look at dreams? It's just random pictures. Your mind's just mm -hmm. having a hallucination. Okay. Start looking at your dreams and then come back to me. Let me know what you think. Um, dreams are very interesting in that aspect of causation too. Yes. Yes. Very powerful. Absolutely. Very powerful. And it's like we we're talking about earlier. It's like there are probably causes in your waking life that are affecting the symbols and entities that you're interacting with in a dream world yeah i think that's spot on the power you of dreams use, really yeah you could use cause and effect just in your own life like the, the yeah. external world's affecting your internal world kind of uh, between planes in a sense the correspondence mm -hmm. yeah the correspondence yeah looking at the different planes of reality yeah again how these all interweave with each other is is really fascinating i think it's a really fascinating lens to be able to look through at the world around you Beautiful. All right. One more. We'll get to the last one. <laughs> principle seven, principle of gender. Gender is in everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. Gender manifests on all planes. The masculine and feminine are ever at work. This is true not only of the physical plane, but of the mental plane and even the spiritual planes. No creation, physical, mental, or spiritual is possible without this principle. This principle works in the direction of generation, regeneration, and creation. Everything and every person contains masculine and feminine. We caution you that this principle has no reference to the many base, pernicious, and degrading lustful theories, teachings, and practices practices which are taught under fanciful titles and which are a prostitution of the great natural principle of gender to the pure all things are pure to the base all things are base <laughs> what a beautiful line to end that one with right? yeah <laughs> um so yeah yeah gender there's a lot of examples but uh, one example i think they give in the kabbalion is the idea of electricity and there's a positive which mm -hmm. represent the masculine aspect of electricity then the negative is the female aspect and they say that mm -hmm. the negative has this negative connotation but negative is actually what's generating the electricity um so i think it's really beautiful to see this interaction between the two and not get stuck on gender as in sex although that's a manifestation of it but then mm -hmm. realize that the different genders in generation of of worlds of ideas of 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 different uh, intelligence out there um, and then you also think in your mind of the two aspects of say logos and eros that would be these two general principles playing out with each other again logos more of a form forming principle whereas the eros is a form giving principle um, and um, you could just see the interactions between genders or two different poles um playing on that that rhythm of polarity and causation uh, this one though is is very confusing in the aspect of um of sex because people get all caught up in sex and gender and what does this mean but when you see that you have all the energies in you masculine and feminine then you could see the different parts of you like your soul um like your spirit and all the others yeah, absolutely. It's the two aspects of the whole. It's the the polarities of the cosmos. And I think that looking beside outside of this to more of like the Jungian aspects of masculine and feminine is so beneficial to you as a human being, but to humanity as in general, because again, going back to creating empathy for those around you, I think it's so fucking important to create empathy for those around you. And by understanding that you have masculine and feminine within yourself, you can create empathy for yourself because as a man who's 
taught from a young age through society that there are certain aspects of masculinity that should be strove for, perhaps not as many now in like the last few years, but things like being super shredded and big, being a warrior, being emotionless, being able to make logical decisions and being a totally rational being like those masculine aspects while beautiful. And you should try to exemplify those things in a divine manner, not a shadow aspect of those. Um, also understanding that you have feminine in you as well. Like you can enjoy candles. You can like giving roses to someone, you know, you can be comfortable showing emotion and you can be comfortable expressing yourself in a way that would not portray you in this light of Conan the Barbarian. You know, it's like understanding that you're a whole human being and you need mm -hmm. to embrace both of those aspects of yourself and then learning how to harness them as well. Like taking these principles and understanding when you need to shift in that polarity between masculine and feminine, depending on the situations. If I'm in a situation that's life or death, I'm going to be. 100% masculine because I'm going to be making decisions on the drop of a dime that are going to be life and death. And you need to be an utter savage in that scenario. But I'm not going to be that way if I'm trying to have a romantic date with a beautiful woman or interacting with kids or something like that. At that point, I'm going to shift more into the polarity of the feminine. And I'm going to mm -hmm. be more empathetic, more open, more caring, like and there's nothing wrong with that. It's understanding that there is a constant shift of the principle of rhythm. There's a constant rhythm between the, the two that you're doing as a human being to properly interact with the world and with everyone around you as well as with yourself. Mm. And then real quick in alchemy, they talk a lot about gender, especially the king and queen. And the whole idea of alchemy, one of the general principles is making that conjunction, the union between the two. And I think it's so beautiful to see those aspects in alchemy, realize the symbols and see how um, these these two genders play out. Um, a lot of people can think of the passive as the feminine, the active as the masculine. Um, it's really this idea of, 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 of your true energies within. And I love that you're talking about men becoming a little bit more uh, open to that feminine aspect of them. Because again, that feminine aspects, what is creation, like giving you that generation, it's giving you that, that energy to do more. Uh, in, in especially a creative realm. So for you and I, if we're making a video, but we're denying our feminine aspect, it may be hard to have new ideas. We're going to be stuck in our own thinking, our own rationality. But when you have that other aspect open, then you truly uh, allow the whole um, psyche to work on itself and produce the beauty that can be produced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really fascinating to see in our society the push for, I think the correct word for it would be androgyny. Like, becoming this being that is sexless and genderless and it's it's interesting to me because i don't i don't see how you can conceptualize the human experience within those realms and maybe that's the whole key is that they don't want the human experience they don't want to deal with happiness because they don't want to deal with the suffering that comes from that like we were saying it's like you're always on these constant up and downs like that's just the fact of life with the highest highs come the lowest lows and perhaps they just don't want to deal with any of it because they're incapable of dealing with the lows or perhaps they stay within those lows for too long but the the concept of that just it really 
I would like to sit down with like someone who holds those beliefs and be able to ask them these questions because it really fascinates me how they conceptualize life itself. Like how do they conceptualize humanity and what it means to be a human being and whether or not that is a good or a bad thing. And then how they see the future playing out, like the androgynous stuff and then transhumanism really fascinates me of what these people really foresee as the essence of humanity going into these different realms. Mm. Mm. I don't know if I want to say this, but I'll say it. <laughs> There's a push lately, and I'm not going to get into it, but you can see where I'm talking. Where, where they're trying to have individuals identify with a certain gender. And I think this plays right into this principle where people are getting confused by it and, and, and they can see the realities in it where you have both of them in you and you could be, you could imagine yourself to be anything in a sense. Um, I think that the, the that there's a, a push that shouldn't be pushed for identification when you and I are talking about the aspect of realizing all of the different genders in a sense in you. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of social engineering going on in society right now, and it's not coming from a place of positivity. It's definitely not coming from a place of pursuing freedom and liberty as a human species. I don't give a fuck what you do as a consenting adult. Whatever gender you want to be, whatever sex you want to be, the shit doesn't bother me. But when it becomes this social cause that specifically preys upon children to instill these ideals in them, that's where I have massive issues with this. Like when you're teaching children that one aspect or the other is evil, like, I mean, evil, that's a fucking issue. That's a massive issue because you're taking an aspect of humanity and I would say of the universe as a whole. Like I think that the masculine and feminine is a universal law and you're completely negating that in the arrogance, the, the, the narcissism and arrogance to think that you can just completely negate this reality, this truth of the universe. It baffles me and we will be punished for it society as a whole will be punished for allowing this to happen like that's not to say that we're going to be smited by god but we will have degeneration and issues from this from this and the earth itself will also have its way with us like if we stop producing or people stop embracing both aspects and only live in one aspect like nature has a way of balancing itself out without a doubt and we will become the subjects of that very quickly if we continue down this path and again i'd like to say like if you're a consenting adult i don't give a fuck i don't care yeah but yeah. as a society we should not allow that to overshadow and take over civilization zeitgeist or weed its way into the education of children, like getting out of a metaphysical conversation and just going into a purely like political, rational conversation about this, like teaching children and the 
infiltration of the education systems and these other institutes of power is a real fucking problem for maintaining freedom and liberty because a lot of these same people pushing these ideologies also despise the constitution they despise free speech they despise liberty they want to enforce their ideology onto you because they vie for power their religion is power that's what mm. they want they want mm. to enforce whatever it is they think is correct on top of you it doesn't matter how open-minded you are about their life that's not what they're there for they don't want to have a civilization where you tolerate each other they want a civilization where our way is the highway and if you don't like that you're going to the fucking gulag like not even it's 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 very fucking terrifying to see the creep that is happening in america as far as politics and authoritarianism and totalitarianism goes and i'd also like to be clear that i'm not telling you to vote for a fucking republican because they're not like super pro lgbtq plus ia 2a fucking however many fucking letters and numbers there are in this shit now because republicans aren't going to fucking do shit either like they're just as bad as the democrats they're all run by the same fucking people they're all lobbied by the same people and i don't again i want to say it because i want to be clear i don't care what you do as a consenting adult if you're gay if you're trans whatever i have plenty of friends that are that way but they're also rational human beings and they look at this movement and they say this fucking movement does not represent our ideals because yeah my sexual preference is this but i'm also still an american i still believe in freedom i still believe in liberty i don't believe that we should be giving sex changes to minors like i thought that we decided this a long ass time ago that mutilating children is not cool mm. and it's like this is what these people are pushing for or abortion past the point of viability it's like whatever your things on abortion are it's like to they're the bills that they are pushing will allow them to abort a child after it is born so you're literally putting in the law that you can murder a baby like that shit is fucking insane it is mm. baffling like this mm. this is not cool whatsoever yeah um and i just went on a long rant there i'm sorry no 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 this that was good <laughs> <laughs> that's why i said but it you, because there there's something to that they're they're taking advantage of these principles that we could all learn from and really understand ourselves and become true high beings of of consciousness but they keep mm -hmm. us so low and they use them against us just like and that's what's so scary about this book it says it throughout this book people are pawns and the masters rule them and you could see how these people get these inflations and use some of these principles against people um the pawns or the sheep or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. them um, and that breaks my heart because I think that in my journey, I've been quote unquote a sheep back in the day. I'm sure you've been a sheep back in the yeah. day to see that you can go through it, learn so much about yourself, have have a new respect for the world around you um, and, and get out of the paradigm of of left, right, in, out, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. Um, conversations like this really do help. So, um, and it's really sad to see that there's people that it may, it may even be a natural instinct in, in the world where people are getting more curious about themselves, but instead of being led in the right direction, they're being shown all these different ideologies to, to further the confuse that, that instinct that may actually be natural from the all or the one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that. A lot of people talk about an evolution in consciousness. I talk about it. I think that there is a conscious revolution going on. However, that can be preyed upon, as you were saying. It's like this 
this openness to ideas that were never before conceived of or were never realistically taken seriously is beautiful and it can lead us to great places but it can also be infiltrated and subverted by the powers that be to take more advantage of us and i think that's what we're seeing you know you're seeing this this divide between the general population that is completely engineered and manufactured like there is no there's no realistic way for me to look at what is going on in society and be like this is just the will of the people if you look at all of the massive fucking propaganda campaigns conducted by the government, conducted by the intelligence agencies, conducted by multinational corporations, like this book, if you think that you can get a better understanding of consciousness from reading this book, the people that are playing on our emotions and on our vibrations are fucking masters at it they have this shit down to a science they've been conducting research on the american people for 40 50 60 years on how to best brainwash the population to get the best results now it's beautiful to see that there is a sect that is completely broken out of that and sees the propaganda for what it is or at least sees one side but then it's like you need to go the rest of the way and look at the whole whole enchilada mm -hmm. if you just think that you know these people are lying and these people are telling the truth that's probably not the case there's there's shades of gray in all of this and there's shades of truth and lie in all of this everyone has an agenda i have an agenda right now my agenda is to try to wake people up to the realities of the world as i see them and mm -hmm. i've never claimed to be completely right about anything like i think that i'm a very foolish human being still and i make mistakes constantly do i think that i've come closer to a more objective truth absolutely so that's my agenda but what's the agenda of CNN? It's for you to be a fucking sheep and to fall in line and to vote for Democrats, no matter what the case is. What's the agenda of Fox to make you vote for Republicans, no matter what the fucking case is? All of these people vote for the same shit. All of these people are conducting wars of aggression. All of these people are given the MIC, big pharma, big tech, all in bed with them, giving them money, giving them bailouts, your taxpayer money. They are breaking the American people. They are making us impoverished beyond belief and they're all lining their checks they're all all lining their pockets with fat fucking taxpayer cash or money that they've just printed out of nowhere through the federal reserve and we see that through inflation if you want to know where inflation really came from it's not fucking russia it's not vladimir putin it's the fact that we printed trillions of dollars from the federal reserve and guess what that's we have to pay that money back allegedly you know, so that's mm -hmm. where that's where inflation comes from. That's the hidden tax on America. And all I of that shit COVID. needs to be talked about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was COVID. It was. They printed that money because of COVID. But yeah, it's fucking it's baffling, what a mess. man. But what a mess. Seriously, oh, yeah. I can't look at it. It's just it's unbelievable. It, it's so scary to see that people go along with it. And, and that's why I think these kind of principles need to be talked about, even if they're not truth, even if they weren't written by the three initiates. When you, when you, it even says it in here, when you grasp yourself, you're not going to be moved as a pawn. So it's saying you can be at a state to get yourself protected from the forces that be in the world. And like you said, nothing's natural out there. A lot of people are like, well, Joseph, this is just the spirit coming through. This is how it's coming through. No, it's not. It doesn't come through like this. It, everything yep. right now is just an illusion. And it's set up by people that, like you said, know exactly what they're doing. They do all the rituals. They know all the rituals. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, illusion. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Illusion. Yeah. Illusion, I think, is a very fucking apt word. And 
the self-deception and the bullshit that we give ourselves on a day-to-day basis is really, really baffling. Like I, you said it earlier, I was like, if you look for things, you will find them. And the things that I feel like a lot of people look for are bullshit in the like real actual cognitive scientific meaning of the term bullshit, which is like, you're not lying to yourself outright. You're taking a half truth and then extrapolating on it to fit a narrative and that's what i feel like most people are doing they have a very shallow narrative and then they fit everything into that so that they can interact with it on a day-to-day basis to make sense of the reality around them so you're realistically you're creating an illusion to live within. You're creating a fictional reality that you exist within because it is the most comfortable for you. And guess what? Finding truth, finding yourself as much as you can, that's just the most uncomfortable thing you can do. Like I breaking free of the matrix was one of the hardest things I ever did. Like I would literally lay on my floor for hours at a time and just try to overcome the programming of my own mind. It's fucking insanely uncomfortable. You think that you're going insane. Like you think you're having a psychotic break. I sure as shit did, you know? Yeah. So it's it's breaking out of that illusion. And at least even to begin to admit to yourself that you're living within an illusion. Mm. To start taking those steps. And maybe these principles are what get you there. Maybe reading the work of someone else. Maybe finding a religion, Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, whatever the case is, um, is just taking those initial steps and trying to break out of that illusion and also break out of the illusion that's created for us through the government and through the powers that be, because there's just, there's so many layers and it's, it's really an onion, man. It's like you peel Hmm. back a single layer and guess what? You have fucking however many more. I mean, it's never ending. There's always aspects of life that you're creating fanciful narratives around because the reality of them is so uncomfortable to deal with. Yeah. And, and real quick for people that are listening to this, but what they do is they speak to your soul. They're not speaking to you consciously. So you don't even realize it. That's why it's so important to get to know who you are, your soul, understand the, 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 the vibrations and you understand all this stuff we're talking about because that's what they're speaking to. So you can think consciously how you're going to build a wall, but they're speaking to something that's a little bit more powerful and it has an effect on you consciously. So it's really a soul work. Uh, that inner work is, is getting to know um, that soul. Last thing I want to say about these principles, I forgot to bring them up, is it, on the planes of, of correspondence as above, so below, there was three planes that they outlined, the spiritual, the material, I'm sorry, the spiritual, the mental, and then the material. And it says in the first principle, all is mind. But if you think the mental is just one phase in the middle of, of this whole thing, and if anything, spiritual is higher than the mind. So you could see there are, if you really look closely, there are a lot of uh, things that, that, that contradict each other um, in, in these principles. But if you look at it, not for the full truth, but you look how you and I have been discussing it, seeing the connections not only in yourself, but outside yourself. Um, it, it'll lead you. It's like a, it's like an appetizer. <laughs> it'll lead you to the main courses of life. So uh, I just wanted to say that because uh, maybe some of the things we were saying uh, made it seem like this is where everyone should go, but you want to mm-hmm. keep that eye open. Yeah, absolutely. I think that 
like I said earlier, I was like, we don't even, I don't think we can even begin to cognitively conceptualize what a real divine being would even begin to look like or interact with the world in certain manners. So it's taking all of these teachings and looking for the wisdom within them and then integrating that wisdom into yourself and creating constantly creating and refining a psychological tool, a psychotechnology to view the world around you in the most truthful manner possible, while also at the same time trying to propagate positivity out into the world. And I think that that's also a super crucial aspect of that because I've met people who are so fucking insanely sharp and wise and have such a grasp on the reality of the world but are some of the most negative people I've ever met. And I think that it's not, it's not beneficial like to understand the world, but then be completely negative towards it. Like you need to propagate positivity out, not only for the people around you, but for yourself. Like we're talking about the principle of vibration, of polarity, of correspondence, like all of that affects yourself as well. If you're not creating positivity, then you're going to be subject to the whims of those around you um, or to the negativity that you're creating within yourself. I think this is also a highly Jungian aspect to look at it as well as like you need to interact with yourself and with your shadow and with your dreams and with archetypal energies within yourself to create that more, more whole human being in order to positively enact change in your waking reality. And your mm -hmm. consciousness itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went a little long, but I did want to talk and or at least ask you a little bit about because I know you went on a really cool trip, and I think it'd be cool to share maybe a little bit about it. Do we have enough time? If not, maybe you could do it another. I have time. nothing but time, brother. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing but time. For those yeah, that man, are still I'm listening, retired, baby. <laughs> For those that are still listening, you may notice that uh, he he he's in it. You're in an RV right now. I'm in a truck camper. Yeah. Okay. And you took a trip. So uh, we talked a while ago and you told me you were going on this trip. So I want to hear about the trip and maybe some insights on this trip that you took solo by almost like a hermit mm -hmm. by yourself. Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for everyone listening, I've been on the road for maybe like seven months or so. I left Texas and pretty much followed the Rockies all the way up into Canada, spent a few months in Canada and then made my way back down, hung out in Utah and Arizona and then shot back over to Texas for Christmas time. But I mean, it was, it was utterly beautiful. I got to live my dream. I mean, this has been my dream for a while was to put myself in a situation where I could experience nature in the most raw form while also allowing myself the freedom to focus on things that I am passionate about as well as educating myself. This was the way I figured out how to do it. I was like, I got a truck camper, completely renovated it, made it into a little tiny home full kitchen, uh, hot water, shower. I have a fireplace stove in here and stuff. So during the wintertime, I'm cool. And I used it a lot as it was getting colder when I was still up north. But it was, it showed me the level of connection that humanity had to the earth before we had technology and before we had the ability to mass communicate with each other. There would be days where I would leave my phone or not turn on a laptop, anything like that. And I would just be in nature. And the connectedness to the earth and to source was so profound 
with so little effort that it was really baffling because I could achieve these states through meditation and through really focusing on my emotional state and my dream work and the different archetypal energies that I could feel within myself coming to surface. And I could achieve achieve these states of, of real bliss and of just being in the moment. But when I was out there in the mountains, it took no effort. Like I didn't have to meditate. I didn't have to really think about it. I would step outside and I would put my feet in the soil and look at these massive monolithic mountains surrounding me and just feel completely connected to everything around me, to the trees, to the animals, to the sky, sun, moon, everything. It just, it really reminded me. I don't want to say reminded me. I know. And I, I, I have the feeling every day, but it, it, it exemplified it to a greater extent, the level of source that our ancestors lived with on a day to day basis. And it was super beautiful. It was utterly beautiful. Uh, I loved every minute of it. And I was by myself, as you said, and it was great. I mean, I'd go days. I think I went like two weeks one time without ever interacting with another human being. Um, and that's that was beautiful in and of itself. The silence was beautiful. Spending time with myself was beautiful. But what was more beautiful was the reminder that we are social creatures because when I would interact with someone after an extended period of time again, it would just make me so much more appreciative of them as a human being. I think that we lose sight of that because we live in such highly populated areas in towns and especially cities that we look at human beings as opposition or nuisances mm-hmm. and that's not the case mm-hmm. whatever and being out there for extended periods and coming back and just having a simple conversation with someone was so refreshing and it just makes you really appreciate those those minor interactions with strangers or friends alike and then when you do make friends uh it's the the emotional connection is so much deeper and more profound um and just looking at my relationships that were pre-existing that i have such a more appreciation of them and it just helped deepen my my love for the people that i love and really be grateful that i have these types of relationships in my life Mm, that is wow that was so beautiful That, that that's you know, I was thinking the other day, I was out in the wilderness and I was, it was feeling that feeling you were feeling that the ancients really had that connection with the land and we've lost it with the technology is sucking our souls away. And I'm walking and I had the thought of the Native Americans because I'm in America. I think you're in America too. The Native Americans, how they used to live and how we, and I'm part of it in a sense, I'm European. We came over and just took that spirit away. And I, 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 was, I was like crying in a sense because it just broke my heart to see what was and, and where we are now. And uh, just that, 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 that you were just speaking on that, that connection. Um, that's where we have to get back to if we want any kind of sanity. Um, and it's, it's amazing because it doesn't need a Godhead in a sense. It doesn't need a dogma. It took you going by yourself without anything to, to feel it. And it takes me going out uh, to feel it. And, and I love that you say, even if it is a lonely journey, you realize that 
that, that true social aspect to, to life. Because when you have that normal conversation that maybe before you were so overstimulated, you never appreciated, you come back to it and you say, my goodness, you know, such beauty in the small things. Um, I love this story because there's a lot of us that are looking for something and this may help people get out of the shell. I hope so. And even if you don't even have to take it to the extreme that I did, as you were saying, just go walk in nature, go into a park, go sit underneath some trees. Like it's, it's very simple. Another takeaway that I had from this was the addiction to technology that we have. And I talked about it earlier, the dopamine rushes that we get. I mean, technology is a drug and it should be treated as such. Like I, I don't say that hyperbolically at all. Like the effects that technology has on your brain is in all similarities to a drug. So you need to treat it as such and understand that you could be overdosing on this and that's having negative effects on you mentally and physically and emotionally. So just taking that time to, to break away from these things, don't bring your phone with you out into the woods. If you think that you're spending too much time on it, turn your laptop off and go sit outside in the backyard. It's like these little things that we can do on a day-to-day -day basis to elevate our baseline is it's so easy and it sounds like so common sense but i feel like we've really lost that as a society and well, i feel like we've really lost common sense as a society mm -hmm. um i'd also like to talk about i like to hit on it. you talked about it about the native americans and about getting back to that source and oneness and I don't think there's ever a way to go backwards. We are going to be moving forward as a society and as a civilization. I think that that's just a fact. The zeitgeist is always moving forward. Going back, I don't think is an option. But what we need to do is, is we need to take that and we need to appreciate it for what it is and understand that we need to recreate this within our own civilization and within our own society. So that's the task of, of this consciousness revolution right now is to find a way to reincorporate all of these teachings of the past into a new format that can be used in today's society. Because back then, they like the Native Americans didn't have to deal with having a cell phone on their hip that could connect them to the entire world. You know, it's like we need new practices and new teachings and new rituals around the way that we interact with all of this stuff in relation to our relationship with the divine. And also, we have to break the cycle of hatred and this is the hardest aspect we have to stop looking at the past and projecting that onto the people around us in today's society like there were atrocities committed in the past that are so baffling that it's hard to comprehend that we could do this to one another but to continue to take those divisions from those atrocities and use them as a means to grasp for power i i that's that's how i see it is these things are being used in order to gain more power within society within the socioeconomic ladder and by doing that the only thing we're going to do is to continue the cycle of subjugation and oppression so you mm -hmm. have to take that cycle of hatred and we have to break it like mm -hmm. for younger generations so in america race is such a divisive topic listen no one I, my age or, or around our age ever owned slaves is there so socioeconomic repercussions of the slave trade in america that we're still living with yes but as younger generations the key for us to have a healthy society moving forward i think 
and this is so much easier said than done, is to just break the cycle of hatred and forgive each other and come to each other in a place of empathy and love and try to figure out how we can create something more beautiful. Mm. And I don't mm. think the answer to that is welfare. I don't think the answer to that is subjugation or equity or any of that. It's us as a people coming together and saying, hey, we're more alike than the people that are ruling us. Also, these people ruling us are creating this division amongst us. Let's love each other. Stop hating your neighbor. Let's take these fucking massive institutes of power, let them crumble or eradicate them, and then let's stop blaming each other for the sins of the past, and let's mm -hmm. move forward into something more beautiful. Now, how you really get to that point, I mean that's the that's the hard fucking part that's the question you know but at least striving for it and talking about it is a step in the right direction and i i mean i just don't feel like the younger generations have really experienced like oppression and racism in our lives that isn't manufactured that isn't taught to us like i don't walk down the street and see people my age burning crosses or wearing white robes you know what I'm saying? It's like this shit is a relic of the past. It needs to be left in the past and left to die. We know that racism is bad now. So it's like, and it, there's so many different aspects of it, you know, not just racism specifically, but just all hatred regarding past sins. It's like we have to let that die in mm. order to really move forward. And if we don't, then this cycle that we're living within, this dharmic cycle is only going to continue to roll forward. And we will be having the same conversations for the next 1000 years until mm -hmm. this is achieved. Yeah. Uh, real quick on your journey, that idea of purification, did that ever come up? Did purification in the sense of in the sense like that of, I was like, a pure. So think about consciousness, like when, when we're an ego into the world, we don't see things, we're just filled up with whatever's coming in. And there's a lot coming in, you have a lot of different connections. But if you start to do the work, you start purifying some of those connections, you can release some of that confusion and those, uh, all of it to, to a point where you're pure to, to quote unquote, receive or understand or, mm. or gain gnosis. Um, I, I was wondering if you felt that idea of purification, like some parts of you that used to maybe react or you used to not be able to do this or that, you noticed there was a difference in you through just you being out in nature. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tech, like, technology was the big one. Te it really made me realize how addicted I am to technology. Like, And if I hadn't been in the settings that I was in where I wasn't interacting with that and was able to like really open myself up more, to the realization of that um i definitely did i if that's like purifying myself in that way i it definitely allowed me a baseline mindset where i was totally open and receptive to mm -hmm. the things that i was interacting with whether it was information and knowledge wisdom that i was gaining through like reading listening all that stuff but also to just the more mystical esoteric thoughts that would pop into my head, these insights into the fabric of reality that I definitely think that I was more welcome to when I was less stimulated by the modern world. Absolutely. Yeah. And then talking about pureness, I, I would definitely experience some pure consciousness events. So like through meditation and stuff like that, because if I hiked up a mountain, and summited a mountain and there was no one up there i could sit at the top of a mountain 
and meditate and have literally no distractions whatsoever. No outside entities fucking with me. No radiation coming from cell towers and television screens. No blue light. Mm. It was just peaceful. And it, it made me really appreciate why we look at the mountains in such a mystical way. Like why these were the homes of the gods. Because when you get up there... I mean, it's it's different. The vibration at the top of these mountains is literally different. You can get there and feel the change in frequency. Um, so sitting in those and meditating in them, I was able to achieve briefly on multiple occasions some events of pure consciousness where I was able to just not have thoughts. It didn't last long, but also it didn't last long because I had it a few times and I just got so excited because I was like, oh shit, hell yeah, this is fucking dope. <laughs> and then I was like, that that inner dialogue just kind of started running again you know your that narrative inside your head just kind of started playing at that point but those were super beautiful and very very joyful and full of love and that was also a big thing was just realizing that at the end of the day it really does come down to love and loving mm -hmm. yourself and loving others loving the world like creating that positivity like i was saying being that force of change being that force of love in the world and just in your everyday -day life, if everyone did that, we would just be so much better off if just in your menial interactions, instead of being rude to someone for no reason other than you're just salty that day, you know, just come at it from a place of love, come at it from a place of positivity. And in doing so, you raise their vibration, you know, you use that principle and you elevate their vibration through your own because you're imparting that positivity onto the world. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I would say that I experienced like the most, the most instances of, of purity and of pure consciousness was definitely during those moments of, of meditation in those super secluded places. Yeah. I see that as one of the prime principles that people need to maybe harness is the idea of purifying their consciousness from all the junk that they've been thrown at and, and all the stimulations out there and all the blue lights and, and just everything, um, that purifications would help me. It seems like it helped you. And um, that's you know the whole idea that brought Jung on his own Red Book journey was purifying his thoughts and feelings mm -hmm. of uh, the world or yep. uh, quote unquote the times. Yep, and then just asking yourself if they are your own feelings, if they're your mm. own thoughts. That was one of the biggest things that led me onto this journey was just sitting down and asking yourself why you believe the things you believe, why you think the things you think. If you can't actually give an explanation to why you believe or think something, that's a problem. You know, it's like, that's you, you should sit with yourself at that point and try to get to the root cause of that and then educate yourself on it. I do it literally every day. Like I'm a dumb fuck. So it takes me a while to learn some things, you know? So like if someone says something and I don't know it, you know, it's just having the humility to be like, yeah, I don't know that. And I don't have a reason to act like I do or don't, but if it's something I'm interested in or want to learn about, then I'm going to go learn about it. Mm. Um, so that's also another thing that might help people is just if, if you find yourself saying something and you can't explain why you're saying it, sit with that, sit with that and see where it leads you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So is it, it was a overall positive journey. Um, anything negative about yeah. it, anything you want to say that maybe is not as, because we just talked about the only positives. Is there anything that may have, because it is, I mean, it is a positive experience, but is there anything that yeah. may have rubbed you the wrong way or confused you or? I don't think so. Confusion? No, nice. I don't nice. think so. I, I mean, 
I had a pretty positive experience overall. And do you have any animals attack like, you? I didn't, thankfully. <laughs> um, I didn't run into any animals like hiking or climbing or anything like that. And I was super grateful for it. Cause I mean, when I was in Banff and Jasper in Canada, like, I mean, there's grizzly bears and moose and all kinds of shit up there, uh, wolves. So I was definitely super grateful that I didn't run into any, any of them on trail. I definitely came across a few grizzly bears just like driving um, here and there. Monstrous animals, no fucking yeah. desire to see them up close. The people that go out there and they're like, oh, I want to see a bear. I'm like, fucking bro, you you need to go back to the city because you're out of touch with reality. Like this bear will <laughs> fucking maul you. Right. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, no wildlife interactions. I was super cool with that. But I carry a Glock with me whenever I am doing anything. So I was like. If I do have something like that happen, like I would go to bear spray first because I don't want to just kill this animal for no reason. But I was like, I was pretty secure that if I did get attacked by something, like I would at least have a line of defense or from someone else as I was like in my camper or whatever. Like, I mean, like I said, I was staying in super secluded places, um, but I definitely feel more threatened inside of a town or a city than I do out in the wilderness like i feel like a lot of people were kind of asking me if i was like scared to stay in these places and i was like dude i'm more scared to i'm more scared to park in my house in texas for fear of like burglary or something like that than i am out there in these woods or in these mountains mm -hmm. or wherever i'm at at the time but no really i didn't have any negative interactions man i was like most people i talked to were all super cool most people were just doing their own thing like I was in the Midwest, so it definitely was a pretty conservative areas that I was in for the most part. And everyone was super polite, like super friendly. Um, the lifestyle really isn't that hard. But like I said, I, I built my stuff out to for it to be a tiny home. So I had all the amenities that I wanted. So I didn't really want for anything. Like there was never a day where I was just like, damn, I really need this. You know, I was like, oh, I'd, I'd like to have this at this time, but there's never any moment where I was like, fuck, I need this. Or like, mm. I'm just going to be dying right now. Um, and then also just, I was talking about this earlier and I've talked about it throughout the podcast is, is maintaining a baseline. Like my baseline from doing the work and from opening myself up to the cosmos and opening myself up to these truths and sitting with myself and being willing to sit with myself is so beneficial and my baseline in life is just so high now that when something wrong did happen it's not like it was there was no end of the world moment like there was no depression or anxiety or grief like i was in the grand canyon driving out of the grand canyon out of the north rim and i blew my power steering on my truck the hose popped and I lost all power steering and I lost like 70% of my brakes because of the way that it's tied into the braking system. And I drove like 170 miles out of the mountains, out of the Grand Canyon with no power steering with like 30% of my brakes. Oh my goodness. And it was not like, like there was never any moment during that time where I was just like, holy shit, this is in the world. Or like, I'm not going to be able to do this or fuck. Like, what am I going to do? It's just like, all right, cool. This is a situation. I'm going to deal with this the best mm -hmm. way that I can. And I'm going to get this fixed and I'm going to go on with my journey. And that's exactly what happened. I was like, I drove back. It was chill, a little stressful, but I mean, a healthy amount of stress, you know, is <laughs> probably good for me. Kept me on my toes. Yeah. Um, got it fixed. The next day, 
and it was on Thanksgiving. So I found like the only shop within like a hundred, couple hundred miles that was open. Luckily they just happened to be open on Thanksgiving and they had the right hose to replace it. And I was back on my journey again. So it's like just having that baseline is so beneficial and was so beneficial in those moments because it just allowed me to just take care of the issue without freaking out or fretting about it or anything like that. And then also it's like, I live in my, in my camper, you know, so worst case scenario, I'll pull over the side of the road and I have a place to sleep. Like it's yeah. really not too big of a deal. Um, so like having that mentality definitely made it to where there was, there was negative things that happened, but I, I was never really in a negative mindset about it. It was pretty much all good vibes and good times the whole way mm. through. And you have a background with the military. So, you know, a lot of people may be interested in this, but you do want to like, you want to make sure you know what you're doing. You don't want to just say, all right, I've been stuck in the world. Let me go explore the wilderness. And uh, maybe I shouldn't say anything. Maybe you should do it if you feel like you should. But there's there's also a sense of you have to be, you have to have a sense of of knowing what you're doing. Like you, yeah. you, you had the Glock on you, you had food with you, you had uh, the sleeping bag. I, I think that guy from Into the Wild sort of did that, but then he got like he died, right? In a bus. Yeah, Chris McCandles is a fascinating figure. And I mean, there's no telling how much of that is fact and fiction. Uh, oh. He's definitely become a legend. I mean, he just has like, I mean, as far as like the movie goes and stuff like that, yeah. you know, yeah. like he's a, he's a larger than life figure. So I'm sure that some of the story has been over exaggerated as it's become myth and legend throughout American culture. That's not to take any way, anything away from Chris McCandles. That dude was a real free spirit. I mean, he lived life on his own terms to the maximum amount possible and i mean he's an inspiration for me like that was one of my goals especially with doing this was like i want to create a place where i can live my most authentic life and live as freely as i possibly can be and this is what i found this is what i'm comfortable with you know it's like but he wanted more he wanted to push the limits uh he ended up burning his cash and like all kinds of crazy shit but he ended up in a bus in alaska and he ended up dying of starvation because he ate some berries that were poisoned and yeah. it just completely fucked his stomach and then he couldn't eat anymore and he died. Um, and I think it's important to note that one of his last messages before he died was that he wished he had spent more time with his loved ones. He wished wow. he had spent more time with family. Like that was, he realized that that was the most important thing in life. He was like, it's being as free as I possibly could be was enjoyable in the moment and I loved it. But the, most precious moments to me in the moments before death were the moments I shared with the people that I love. Hmm. So I think that that's a, a very beautiful sentiment and something that everyone should take to heart. And it just goes back into everything we've been talking about that love is really at the center of a lot of this stuff, like embodying that as an emotion, as an ideal, as a entity and power that is above what we can effably explain as humanity the powers of 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 love itself yeah that's beautiful but, wow i didn't know that yeah yeah um but then to answer your question yeah i do have a lot of training and i'm super comfortable carrying a gun and stuff like that and being alone in nature like i'm comfortable with my ability to handle myself and to survive in specific situations um if you don't have that i wouldn't just go in and doing like a five-day through hike uh, um, i'd get a little more experience under your belt or if you want to carry a gun i would highly recommend actually knowing how to use a gun like 
go to the range, get training, pay for real fucking combat shooting training, like understand what you're doing because it's shit's no joke. Like I firmly believe in the Second Amendment, firmly believe in the right to carry. That's not to say that everyone should carry. Like you should actually understand what you're doing before you just pull a fucking gun out because it is a deadly deadly tool but it's also a tool of protection it's also a tool of defense you know it's it's the polarity of of that technology you know it has the ability to protect you and it also has the ability to take life so just having a realistic understanding of that and appreciation for the seriousness of it uh, i think would would benefit a lot of people so yeah get some training but don't be afraid go out there do your thing Carry some bear spray. You'll you'll probably be fine with bear spray. Like I said, I never ran into any any bears. You know, it's a pretty slim chance. Sometimes you just got to roll the dice. You know, you might die sitting in the Starbucks parking lot because someone fucking t-bones you. Uh, you know, so just take yeah. that take that same outlook and be like, I might run into a grizzly bear. I might not. I'm gonna enjoy some beautiful beautiful scenery until then so i think yeah. it's worth the yeah. worth the roll of the dice <laughs> no definitely definitely I, you, but, but if you didn't have the bear spray then you may be caught in a little bit of a, <laughs> a yeah bit of a i definitely trap. recommend something i definitely yeah, recommend yeah. something uh i i met people who don't carry either and they were just like if a bear attacks me i'm just gonna die I'm, and i was I'm just like I, I, that's cool i was like i mean if that's if that's how you feel I was like, I don't have that outlook. I want to survive and keep enjoying this wild ride through life. Um, <laughs> but I was like, if you're just cool getting eaten by bear, that's fair. That's fair too. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, this is a great oh, yeah. conversation. I love the points that we hit. Um, and again, the uh, Hermetics, this, that's Hermes. So that's the Triscrate, that's Thoth. That's a lot of different names for anyone that's confused about what the Hermetic principles uh, that we just spoke on or alluding to Hermetic principles are. That's um, based off the idea of Hermes. Trismegistus. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and also closely related to alchemy. And I think that I, that's a closing topic on this. The subject of alchemy is really fascinating. And for anyone out there that thinks that alchemists were trying to transmute coal or iron into gold, that was not the case. This is what they were talking about. They were talking about transmuting consciousness and they had to do so in a symbolic way so that they could pass these messages between each other. Because if they did not, they would have their heads cut off by the church or by the state. So uh, a lot of fascinating history there and a lot of close connections to Young. I mean, Young has a fucking book like this thick called Psychology and Alchemy, where he's basically breaking down a case study of one of his patients and relating it to alchemy. It's really fascinating. Mm. But yeah, I'd highly recommend anyone to go out there and look into this stuff. It's, it's a fascinating topic, fascinating principles, fascinating outlooks on life, um, and a lot of a lot of wisdom that mm. could be taken on board from the past as we were saying it's looking at all these these ancient teachings and picking out the wisdom in them and using yeah. them in modern life yeah and real quick mysterium canotiones is another work of jung's where he really it's a huge book i don't think i have it on me right now but it goes into all the symbolisms of the, the sun the moon the conjunction um, everything the black sun so if anyone's getting into this uh, kind of topic and, and is getting confused by all the symbolisms and alchemy not knowing the master key jung provides a lot of help beautiful beautiful i love it man yeah. hey, your closing thoughts um 
I just I want to highlight just the point that we we kept saying that we should not get inflated with this work. You know, you want to stay humble with it, not to play off of my humble you media title, but um, you really have to stay humble with it and and see it as a process of learning, the process of consciousness growing, and a process of, of reconnecting with all, um, and not just humans, but also plants and trees and animals and uh, the spirit in a sense. How about yourself? I think you hit the nail on the head. Maintaining humility is key. The second that you think that you know everything, the only thing you know is nothing. <laughs> it's just, you always have to keep an open mind, take the nuggets of wisdom, use them to create a deeper connectedness to the world around you, as you were saying, and be the change that you want to see in reality, as corny as that may sound. Without it, we're Beautiful. stuck uh, following the leader. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. Joseph, man, thank you for your time, man. This conversation was riveting. I hope that you enjoyed it. I definitely did. I think that the listeners will as well. I enjoyed it, and I truly appreciate you. Everything you're doing, everything you're doing with yourself, and everything you're doing for the world. So much love. Thank you. You as well. Joseph, ladies and gentlemen.